0: Welcome back to Mr. Stroud's History Class, podcasters. Hope you enjoyed the Conquistadors and learned a little bit about the Spanish exploration, why they were Conquistadors, and why when I told you about them, if you meet a man that is mean and tough, you have met a Conquistador. There were a lot of others, but that's enough for Mr. Stroud's History Class that you get an idea about the Conquistadors. And now we're going to leave the Spanish and do the French. The first person to sail for France on a voyage of exploration in 1524 was a man by the name of Giovanni Verrazzano. Giovanni Verrazzano. Podcasters. Giovanni Verizano. Does that sound French? Because it's not. Why in the world is an Italian sailing a voyage of exploration for the French? Okay, podcasters, I'm going to tell you something. Okay? What I'm going to tell you, I have never read anywhere. Anywhere. But I think about this stuff. And this is what I thunk up. This is what I believe. Who was the greatest sailor that ever sailed? Candice? Gerard? Bess? Courtney? Mimi you all know, Christopher Colombo. But wait a minute, didn't he go the wrong way? Wasn't he a failure? He was the greatest sailor that ever sailed and the greatest failure because he did not achieve what he wanted. To achieve, he never did find the East. But he was the greatest sailor that ever sailed, remember, because he made it back from the New World. So, there was an unwritten law that on your voyage of discovery, because Columbus sailed for Spain and was an Italian, you have an Italian sail your initial voyage of discovery, and Gerard, England, would do this too. And so, for your voyage of discovery, you need an Italian. Well, we're going to get one in France. Well, as luck would have it, there was a man by the name of Verrazzano who was people you could not have gotten a better match. This man was an Italian, Verzano. He was in France, in France, so he's nearby. He's right there. He's in France. And guess what? He is a sailor. He not only is a sailor, he knows the waters of the New World because, yes, Virginia, there were pirates. He was a pirate. And where he went was over to the Caribbean. Now, here we go with all the treasures you're bringing from Pizarro's silver mine, all the gold you're bringing from Cortez's Aztec defeat. You look at a map, and how are they going to get all that treasure back to Spain? And guess who's waiting on them? Pirates. And Verrazano was one of them attacking those Spanish treasure ships. This man was the perfect fit. He was an Italian. He was a sailor. He'd been in the New World many, 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 many times. If we could just get him. So, that's why France wanted an Italian to sail the voyage of discovery. But let's go to the other side. Let's go to Mr. Verrazano. This man is apparently getting rich from being a pirate. Why would he stop that? And sell a voyage of discovery for France. Why would he stop his pirating? And some of the students would say, well, they must have offered him a deal, a contract, that he just could not refuse. I have seen the contract. In Morrison's book, not not big on francs and stuff, But Dr. Morrison did not have an exclamation mark, Gavin. He did not say, well, how could any pirate turn this down? It apparently was a run-of-the-mill standard little contract. See, I'm going to tell you something again, podcasters. Remember, I've not read this. I just thunk this up. Why would he do that? Because sailors, and some of you out there were probably sailors, when they go ashore they do not go to the USO and play ping pong I've seen this they go and drink alcoholic beverages that's what they do and back then of course drinking alcoholic beverage was most, much safer than drinking water so this is what I've come up with that Arizona would be in a bar and there would be Frenchmen in there and they would see Arizona over there that's Podcasters, I want to tell you something. Do not do what I'm going to say. You understand? I want you to pinky swear and zip those lips. I don't want you to tell anyone, and I don't want you to do it. But in a bar, when you start drinking with strangers, you start becoming beer buddies. And did you know? Oh, you better not know. No, you don't know. I'm going to tell you because you don't know. But when you get a little bit of alcohol in you, two things happen. Well, actually more than that but i'm going to just tell you two of them one is things that aren't funny when you're sober become very funny now and apparently people have a deafening problem and we have to speak up well you got the music going but you got to speak up so things that weren't funny become funny you got to speak up And so, a Frenchman would see Verrazano in that bar, and he would tell his other Frenchman, you want to see me get him mad? You want me to see, you want to see Verrazano mad? Well, what could be funnier than that, podcasters? Well, yeah, well, yeah. And so, he would say to Mr. Verrazano, Verrazano, who was the biggest failure that ever sailed? Christopher Colombo, and Verrazano would get mad because that's a fellow Italian, and I bet you he could come back with this. You know why he was a failure? Because his Spanish crew were cowards. Cowards? See, what I think, podcasters, It's deep down in his mind that one day he wanted to prove that Colombo was right. And had it not been for the currently Spanish crew, he would have made it. That's what I think. And that's why when they wanted him to sell the Voyage of Discovery, he said yes. Now whether I'm right or wrong, and I believe I'm right, we won't ever know for sure. He will sell the Voyage of Discovery. It's all going to be done in 1524. Sailing podcasters, remember, was one of the most dangerous things you could do. And you take more than one ship on your voyage because of the storms. You need some other ship out there. And so, Verizono takes off from France with three ships. On the way to the Canaries, because that's the way Columbus went, that's the way you go. One of the ships got in storm trouble and now he's down to two. He left the Canaries with two ships and coming in over the horizon, heading for France, oh my goodness, podcasters, there was a Spanish treasure galleon. Did your fingers start to twitch a little bit? I bet you Arizona was dead. Once a pirate, well, we could take time out from the voyage of discovery, went over, and how do you do this? You just fire a cannon shot across the bow. It's a warning shot. You don't stop that treasure guy right now. We're gonna tear your ship up. We're gonna kill you. They stopped. You captured the ship. Now you have this other French ship. It escorts that treasure ship back to France. When we get back, we're all going to divide the spores. And so now, Verizano, it's down to one ship. One ship equal suicide. Now, I had a student once, and so every time I asked the name of a ship, he came out with Mayflower, Mayflower, Mayflower. I said, why do you keep saying Mayflower? Because he said, one day you're going to ask What ship? And I'm going to say Mayflower, and you're going to say that's right. For some reason, I like the names of ships. And so, we'll just say you get on Final Jeopardy, and oh my gosh, people, this is a Final Jeopardy. I wonder if they. What was the name of the ship that Verizano sailed in to come on the initial voyage of discovery? The Dolphin. The Dolphin. Thank Miami football team, the Dolphin. I cannot emphasize enough how dangerous it was to sail with one ship. Now, we're in a classroom. I'd pull down the map. I'd use my little pointer, the little light, and I would show you that where he comes in, it's just a little bit north of Florida. That's where he sighted the coast. Listen to me, podcasters. They're looking for the Strait to get to China, to Japan, to get through this continent. They know it's got to be there. In the southern part, they call it the Strait of Anaheim. Now, was looking for that Strait, and so he turned south, and he sailed along the coast of Florida. And after he sailed along the coast of Florida and did not find any strait, he makes a you-all you you turn and starts back up north. Why didn't he not go further? Well, the Spanish were down there. And what do you think the Spanish would do to a French pirate that was robbing all their treasure galleons? And also, he knew were they straight down there, the Spanish would have already found it. So now he's going to start sailing along the eastern coast of the United States. Now while sailing along the eastern coast of the United States, several things are going to happen. One of the things is that he's going to send a boat ashore to get fresh water. And in this boat are some of the French sailors. And they're carrying things in case they see Indians that Indians just love They're going to be red caps, glass beads, bells like little hawk bells, ding, ding, ding. The Indians loved them. Mirrors, so an Indian could look at himself. Oh, my gosh, can you imagine and get that warp? Indians love this stuff. And so they start going toward the shore, and they see some Indians come out along the shore. Well, a couple of things. Imagine. One of the things is that these are cannibals. Cannibals eat who? Well, you know, they eat people. And those Frenchmen are people. And those Indians are so excited, they start building a fire. They see those Frenchmen. They start motioning for those Frenchmen to come in. That's one of the things. And the Frenchmen decided, we'll find some fresh water somewhere else. But one of the Frenchmen in that boat said, you know, These cannibals deserve presents as much as anyone else. And so he grabbed a handful of beads and he jumped in that water and he started swimming toward the shore. And those Indians got so excited. Oh, my gosh, they were jumping up and down. They were motioning for him to come ashore. But he's not a fool. So when he got close enough, he threw those beads at those Indians and he waved goodbye and he started swimming back to the boat. The podcasters, when you go to Splash Day, don't you do this. Now he was not only trying to get back to that boat, but he realized he was tired and those waves were bigger than he thought. So he would swim five feet forward, that wave would hit him and push him 25 feet toward that shore. And then he would swim five feet forward and that next wave would push him and you know what's gonna happen. All those Indians are so excited and when he got close enough, they ran out and they grabbed him And they picked him up, and he is screaming and screaming in fear, and they carried him to that fire, and they set him down and started drying his clothes for him. Drying his clothes. Can you imagine what his heart is doing? And then when he got his clothes dry, they took him back to the water and waved goodbye, and he jumped in with dry clothes, and this time with all the determination that he didn't want to be the evening meal, he made it back to that boat. They then sailed on up the eastern coast, and here we go, podcasters. If we were in a classroom, I'd pull down the map, and I would take my little pointer, the one with a little red dot on it, and I would point it up there to that board, and I would show you this. Along the eastern coast, there are some islands that come jetting out into the Atlantic. This is Pamlico Sound and they come about 200 miles, and they go back down. I want you to look, and when you get to a map, you get on, you look at that, and that's where he is. And so he's on the eastern side of Pamlico Pim- Sound. And he wrote down, he gazed upon the Pacific Ocean from there. Podcasters, I'm going to say that again. He gazed upon the Pacific Ocean. Now when I taught 8th grade history, there was a textbook and it told about Verrazano saying he saw the Pacific Ocean from there. And then there were two words in all capital letters with an exclamation point, Gavin, an exclamation point. And those two words, I'll never forget. He lied. He lied podcasters. Wait a moment. Why would he lie? The next voyage up there is going to look at that and say, no, he lied. He's a liar. That's what he is. Dr. Samuel Elliot Morrison was the historian of all these voyages, all the voyages to the new world. Northern voyages, one huge volume, over a thousand pages. Voyages to the South, another one. But I'm going to tell you what made Dr. Morrison stand out above all other historians. He not only was in the archives reading the logbooks, but he got on a boat and he sailed the exact voyages of every one of the voyages that he wrote about, and he wrote about all of them. And so he knew about Verrazano's claim. And we got off of Pamlico Sound, he looked to the west and he said, I know what happened. Verrazano did not lie. There was a song once that I'm sure you can find on YouTube. Julie Andrews, I think, sang it. On a clear day, you can see forever. On a clear day, you can see forever, podcasters. And Dr. Morrison knew what happened when Verrazano looked out Across Pamlico Sound, it was not a clear day. Because on a clear day from where Dr. Morrison was and where Arizona was, you could see off in the distance, you could see the, the shoreline. On a clear day, you could see the shoreline and you knew that was no Pacific Ocean. This apparently was not a clear day. Now here we go, podcasters. I want you to look at a map. North America, South America, Central America. I want you to look and see what boy was, the isthmus of Panama. How would you describe the isthmus of Panama to someone that did not know what the Ithmus of Panama was? The way I would do it, right or wrong, this is the way I would do it. It's a narrow strip of land between the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans. A narrow strip of land between the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans. Where is it written in stone that only can be one narrow strip of land between the Atlantic and the Pacific? If there is one, could there not be a second? Verizon knew about the small, narrow strip of land, the Itmas of Panama. He knew about that, he'd seen it on the maps. And podcasters, you look at that on a map, it looks a lot more narrow than it is if you're down there. And so he saw Pamlico Sound. He saw those islands jetting out. He could not see any shore. As far as he could see was water, ocean, the Pacific. I taught in that class years ago. Well, I didn't teach one. We all did back in the day. This is one of the night classes I taught. I can remember some of this stuff. It was a night class and ladies seem to ask more questions than guys do. Guys, I'm sorry. Now guys, 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 or boys and girls, you guys, you guys. This lady she said he lied. Why didn't he not go ashore and check this out? He's a liar. I remember distinctly, it was close to a break, and I said, look, I brought Dr. Morrison's book over here because I want you to see the photographs he took so you can see what Verrazano saw. So during the break, I'm going to check and see what Dr. Morrison said about that. I checked. I came back. And when we got going again, I told the young lady, I said, look, he did not go ashore. Why did he not go ashore? Well, he got cannibals, mud. How are you going to get ashore and get back? Here's something I want you to remember, podcasters. Do you think for one split second... That in 1524, Verrazano was worried about what someone was going to say in the 20th century. Now the 21st. Do you think for one split second, he worried about what we were going to think about that? And I think you know the answer. That's what he said. That's what he saw. That's what he believed. That's what he wrote. He could not check it out. And he continued sailing. He gets up in the main. And he comes up to a place in Maine where there's an overhanging cliff. And he puts the dolphin under the overhanging cliff, and there are Indians up there. Indians, they have come up there, and they brought baskets. And they they put beaver pelts in these baskets. And with the rope tied on that basket, they throw that basket down on the deck of the dolphin. And the Frenchmen come out to look and see, and my gosh, they're beaver pelts. And they get those beaver pelts, and those Indians start motioning for them to put something in that basket. This, this is the first trades day. I don't know if it's Monday or not, but it's that like first Monday, first trades day. And so the, the Frenchmen put fish hooks in there. They put a few little metal knives. The Indians loved them. They pulled those baskets up, took those trade things out, and they put some more pelts in and they started trading. Verrazano said, you know, these are pretty friendly Indians. Let's go ashore and meet them. You want to? So they got in a boat. They started going ashore. And podcasters, when that boat started coming toward that shore, those Indians put those baskets down, and they picked up rocks. And they started throwing those rocks right at those Frenchmen in that boat. And those Frenchmen turned around and went back to the Dolphin. And they continued trading. After a little while, they said, Well, now they know it's better. Got in the boat, started ashore. And you stopped trading, picked up big rocks, threw them at them. I mean, they went back. Podcasters, I want you to think about this. I want you to explain what I just told you. You turn to a fellow podcaster. Courtney, I want you to listen to Mimi. Mimi's going to tell you. You know what this tells you? There'd been Europeans there before Verrazano. Think about it. How did the Indians know that these people had something that they wanted? And why did they know they did not want to get close to them? There had been people here before that were European and they had not been nice people. But the Indians knew they had stuff that they wanted. Well, when Verrazano left. He wrote in his logbook and he gave a name to what is going to become Maine that I think would be a good motto for the state of Maine. Put that on your license plate. Here you are, you're tailgating, you can get up close to them and you see what's written on the bottom of that Maine license plate. It's the motto of Maine. I'm making this up, it could be. You ready for this, podcasters? He named Maine... The land of bad people. The land of bad people. You start tailgating a pickup truck and you see written on that license plate, the land of bad people. You will back off. Back off. No straight except the one at Pamlico Sound. So he now heads back to France. In a classroom, I would show you his route. Why in the world did he not see the St. Lawrence? Why did he not see that? And the reason he did not see that, he wasn't close enough to see that. I had a sailor in one of my classes, and I asked the sailor, Have you ever been on a boat? Because I know there were sailors that had never been on a boat. Yes, he said, he'd been on a boat. I said, what distance can you see on a ship? looking out at the ocean. If there is land, what is the closest you can be? I'm excuse me, the the furthest you can be. And he said about five miles. So the obvious answer is that Verizono never got within five miles of seeing the St. Lawrence. He didn't see it. He came back, reported to the king. If there's a strait, it's where I saw the Pacific Ocean. He never came back. Podcasters think about what I just told you. Not that he never came back. He was the first person that we know of, and I doubt if an Indian ever did this, that sailed the entire eastern coast of the United States. Are you ready for this? There are people today that will say that everything I just told you was a lie that Verrazzano didn't lie about seeing the Pacific. He lied about the entire voyage. He lied about the entire voyage because one ship, what did I tell you? That's suicide. Suicide. And not only that, but where Verrazzano said that he sailed was some of the most dangerous waters off the coast of America. There are shipwrecks there by the hundreds and there are sailors today that say unless you had a pilot, unless you had a radar, you cannot make it through there. And he did. In 1524, on one ship, he did make it through there. And they say he lied. He lied, podcasters. He lied. Did he lie about that voyage? He just sit down in a bar and write a bet? No. No. He sailed that voyage. How do we know? How do we know? We weren't there. I'm going to tell you how we know, podcasters. This is how we know what happened at the Battle of Gettysburg in July of 1863. Verizano did more than what I just told you. Read Dr. Morrison's book and read the chapter on Verizano. He went ashore. Indians danced. He described those Indians, podcasters, and he was exactly right. He knew what he talked about. He knew what he talked about. And there is absolutely no way he could have described those Indians the way he did had he not been there and looked at them. He made that voyage. So how do you explain in one ship, the dolphin, he made that entire voyage along the eastern coast through some of the most dangerous waters that one could ever sail, and he made it? How do you explain that? Two answers to that. One, like Columbus, he was a good sailor. And two, he was very lucky. You know anybody that's lucky podcaster? You think sometime their luck might run out? Custers did. Custers did at the Little Bighorn. We'll talk about that much later, the little bighorn. Verizonos ran out. Verzonos ran out. He gave up voyaging for France. He went back to being a pirate. He's sailing in the Caribbean. But like anyone that sails in the Caribbean or anywhere else. You gotta go ashore and get fresh water. And that ship pulled in, I don't know which one he's sailing in there, but he pulled in. Four years later, 1528, went ashore with a water party and there were cannibals. Verizono's brother was in a rowboat, the boat that used to bring them ashore and then they moved back just across the breakers and Verizono's brother saw this. And there was the water party running for their lives with the cannibals chasing them. And one hit Verazano on the head with a war club. And they stripped that man and they cooked him and they ate him right there on the beach. Ate him right there on the beach. And that was the end of Verizano. The first European to sail the eastern coast of the United States the one that said he saw the Pacific Ocean, and the one that ended up being lunch for the cannibals. That was Verrazano. There's a bridge in New York, the Verrazano Bridge. Again, I remember things. I remember. I talked about Verrazano, just got him started, and this young lady, lady, it's always the ladies, and this young lady was excited. She said, I'm from New York. I've been across the Verizon Bridge. Did, I did not know that was a person. That was a person. Yes, it was a person. It was Verrizano. That's the end of Verrazano, but the beginning of the French. And next history class, podcasters, I'm going to tell you about the first Frenchman that came to America. And I want to tell you something. I hope you will agree with me. All of these people are unforgettable. It just seems to me that it just gets better, and it gets better, and it gets better. But how can you be better than Verrazano? How can anything be better than Cortez and Pizarro? But the next one, Cartier, what a story. What a story. And so, I will talk to you in the next History Class, podcasters. And you have a good time until then. Adios.